The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your girl, Jessie Mae Peluso, and thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you, and if you're enjoying this podcast, please rate and review us. Let us know how you're enjoying it. Let us know your favorite episodes or type of episodes or people who I've interviewed. I would love to hear how you're enjoying this podcast. And if you'd like to submit any questions or comments, you can do that at Comedy at gmail.com. If you'd like to watch this episode, you can do that at www dot youtube.com forward slash jesse may peluso and if you want early access join my fan club that's patreon.com forward slash jesse may peluso all things jesse may peluso thank you guys so much i really appreciate your support and just being here for so many years and this week it is no doctor it's no guest it's just me i'm getting into the nitty-gritty of my life and the things that bother me and the things that annoyed me this week and if you guys have any things that are annoying you i want to hear Send me an email of what annoyed you this week, jessiemaypelusocomedy at gmail.com, and I'll read my favorites. Tell me what annoyed you so I don't feel alone in my annoyances. I don't want to feel alone. I don't want to feel like a crazy person. Well, speaking of crazy person, this week's episode features the one, the only, the host of the Sharp Tongue Podcast, your favorite host, Jessie May Peluso. Sharp Tongue Podcast. Beep, 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 You're listening to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse May Jessie Peluso. It's a personal look. Well, it's not really a look because it's a podcast. I'm already fucking this up. This is kind of like a verbal comedy diary, a deep look into the crevices of my mind. It's going to get dirty. You might cry. You probably laugh. Hopefully you'll laugh. The whole point is for you to laugh, but you also might cry. I talk about my family. I talk about farts. farts. I talk about love, loss comedy how hard it is to make it in this biz i'm a fucking professional each week it's something different sometimes i have a guest host sometimes it's gonna be a movie companion episode sometimes i just ramble about the bullshit i dealt with the week before you never know what you're gonna get it's raw uncut and funny it's me and we're here welcome to the sharp tongue podcast we have a ton to talk about it's been a very busy week it's been a very active week i hope you guys have had a great week since the last time we talked and this week's cliffhanger is the same as it's been for three weeks. Stamos is going to be on the podcast. I'm not even going to hold out anymore. He's going to be on the pod. We're going to figure out the details, the when and where of it all. I think I might be using my friend's studio because I'm still building mine in my garage. I know it takes me forever to do things, but when I do it, I do it right. So yeah, Stamos is going to be on the podcast. What? I mean, how am I, how have I been okay? How have I been emotionally okay with this is what I really need to know. Am I that cool of a cat? No. This is a, a real 
evidence that I am out of my mind. The fact that I haven't been out of my mind over the fact that Stamos is going to be on the freaking pod. Why am I so cool about this? How have I not lost sleep? Has nothing to do with Stamos. He hasn't been less Stamosy. He's still as Stamos as ever. So am I that numb to life that having Stamos on the podcast hasn't set me on fire? This this episode not bought brought to you by Spindrift, but it is my favorite beverage. Mm. You know why I love a Spindrift and they are not a sponsor? They should be. Two ingredients, carbonated water and lemon juice. No organic flavors. Anytime you see a flavor, it's bullshit. Okay, I'm going to get off of my health factoids. I realize I give people too much information. I realize I, I tell people too many things about facts, like some sort of nerd. I love health facts. It's one of the things that I'm passionate about. And I've just got to stop telling people because, you know, people don't want to hear about what they're eating. If they do, they'll ask and they can Google it. So I like a Spindrift. They sent me four boxes of flavors. They're over on my counter. And I wanted to do an unboxing because I got a whole bunch of stuff from coming back from being on the road for a couple weeks. I got some gifts from fans and some gifts from companies and I wanted to open it. So I'll probably do a live this weekend and unbox everything because I think that'll be fun. But there's another thing I want to tell you guys at the end of the podcast. LA County Fair is in town and I don't want to brag, but there is a very big deal, a very big deal showing up at the LA County Fair. We're going to get to that towards the end of the podcast. But guys, don't, don't forget, it can't be bad if it feels good, right? Key West Wisdom. We're going to call it Key Wisdom. <coughs> Sorry, I did not mean to cough in your ear. I honestly feel like it, sometimes if it, it, it probably is really bad if it feels good. You know, it's probably horrible. Like, just think about that for a second. It can't be bad if it feels good. Well, I think we might have discussed it, but meth looks like it feels good. And we know that's bad. And afterwards, obviously, it doesn't feel so good. It's pretty horrible. But in the, me in the meantime, it looks like it feels great. And I'm not telling anybody to try meth. Please don't try meth. That's a horrible thing to do. But I'm just saying that this, this slogan has some flaws. But don't we are? Don't we all? What? Don't we all? Don't we all have flaws? I am learning to embrace all of my flaws. And I'm learning to identify them early like I just did at the beginning of this podcast. I give too many health facts. There, I said it. I just love nutrition. What do you want from me? So a lot happened. What bothered me this week? Well, first of all, let me tell you about a little tour I got to do. The Alzheimer's Association invited me to tour with them this past week. Actually, just yesterday. It feels like so much time has gone by. But I got to tour the neurology, well, the Alzheimer's department at UCLA. And it was very exciting. They had a lot of new information. They showed their current research and advancements that they're making within their department. I'm just, I just want to get the list of people who were involved in this. Well, first of all, it was Professor David Eisenberg, who is the professor of the Alzheimer's lab at UCLA, which is mainly funded by Alzheimer's Association, as well as the, um, the National Institute of Health and also the uh, Hughes, I forget what it is, the Hughes Medical Institute. 
there's another uh, sponsor there for them. But the main important one for me is the Alzheimer's Association, which I'm starting and have been doing work with. And I'm excited to be on their team and learning more about the disease from a uh, biological standpoint and from a standpoint of caregiving and educating myself as much as I can to become a valid and um, useful advocate for for the Alzheimer's Association. So here, just so I give everybody a little bit of credit, the acknowledgments that were up on the board, we actually were in like a classroom. And well, let me just say the names of the people before we get into that. Uh, Dr. Michael Sawaya, Dr. Kihu, Hope Pan, Dr. Anderson, Dr. Belberini, Dr. Boyer, Dr. Flinkelman, so sorry, Dr. Lutter, Dr. Solwinski, Dr. Pengi, Dr. Jaihu Lu, Gregory Rosenberg, Sean Jain, Cindy Cheng, Josh Dolinsky, Jeffrey Zhang, and there were some alum there as well, Dr. Sievers, Dr. Seedler, Dr. Murray, uh, Dr. Romani, and we had um, our whole day was basically uh, supported by Alzheimer's Association. So, so shout out to Alzheimer's Association for inviting me and to Professor David Eisenberg for being so gracious and allowing us access to his labs and to what they're doing over there at UCLA. I felt like, I don't know if anyone's ever seen Legally Blonde, but how excited she is to show up for school. That's how I felt being on UCLA's campus. I got to tell you, felt real collegiate. I had my backpack. Why did I, I didn't need to bring a backpack. I wasn't going to school. I just felt like I should dress the part. And it also felt really cool to start to embark in this different area of my life. I'm 40. I've been performing for 20 years. And the two people who I love the most, who essentially I think I was performing for as a child, are gone, my mother and father. And so I'm trying to find a new outlet a place where I can feel like I'm giving back a place where I can feel like I have a different type of purpose and a place where I can feel like I am contributing in a different way. That's not to say I'm not going to perform and not be a stand-up comedian. I think I'm going to be one for the rest of my life. It's very natural to who I am. That being said, it, it has brought me to this point. Everything that's happened has culminated to this moment and me losing my father has opened me up to the whole community, the Alzheimer's community, which is a huge community because millions and millions of people are affected by this disease. It is, you know, the number five cause of death in our country. And so there's a huge community to, to give some resources to and, and some entertainment. I guess what, how it's coined in the industry now is edutainment, entertaining education. And so I feel like that's where my pivot is bringing me is to this like educational entertainer. And I think I have a real space in that area of Alzheimer's and that area of the Alzheimer's community because I love performing. I know how to perform and I've sort of wondered what my relationship is with it recently and now with everything that's going on with my curiosity about Alzheimer's Association and how I can help we're, we're marrying those two worlds so that's why uh, they invited me to the UCLA tour 
And that's why I was geeked out to be on campus. And I'm like, these professors better not hit on me. We are not doing this. I am a classy student. I'm also 40. Uh, I think I was the oldest student on campus. Don't shame education at any age. Never stop learning, right? That's what I, what I am telling myself. Never stop learning. And I have a real affinity for this disease. <laughs> I mean, I'm passionate about it, even posthumously for my father, my, speaking about my father. Even though he's gone, I still have this posthumous passion for learning about the disease. I think the reality is if he had any other type of dementia, we'd still be dealing with him and he'd still be alive because the average person with dementia lives with dementia for seven to 10 years. And my dad was gone in about a year, a little over a year. So I feel like I got the Cliff Notes version. So I still consider myself to be in that process. And I just have a lot more energy and resources and the ability to sort of have some freedom to help others. So that's why I was there. That's why I was so excited. And I learned a lot. I brought a little notebook with me. I am a firm believer in having a pad of paper or a notebook with you at all times. And, you know, staying curious is something that will require you to write some stuff down. You're going to need to jot some notes down if you're curious because you're going to be learning things. And that's essentially the root of, of education is curiosity. So I'm trying to maintain a curious brain. And I think that might be an antidote to this dopamine issue we have. Um, I think staying curious may be an antidote to everything that's going on that I think a lot of us are feeling. We're feeling a little lethargy, right? A little physical depression, a little f uh, emotional depression. We're feeling exhausted. And I think... Maybe one of the ways to deal with that is to stay curious. And so this also helps me stay stimulated. It's ironic that in my pursuit of furthering my education about Alzheimer's disease, I think I'm also able to combat the dopamine issue. So killing two birds with one stone, as they say. Mm. I learned a lot of frustrating things about the, the processes that exist in our society and the structure of payment scales and bureaucracy and red tape, all these things that prevent people from getting the resources they need. And something was really alarming to me. Dr. Eisenberg answered a question. One of the women asked, you know, what, what does the lab re need right now financially? Because these schools... When you go into school, your lab, first of all, you're responsible for setting up your own lab financially. You, you don't get all that, those supplies right away. Not every school is the same, but for UCLA, your lab setup is your financial responsibility, A. B, the salary for these doctors is not guaranteed. And it is something, and this is what was told to me. So this is just, you know, I, I need to do some more research, but this is what was said to me from the head professor over there at UCLA, that a lot of these colleges don't have the, you know, the funding for the salaries of the doctors who are working in these specific areas and they have to get let off. So there's a lot of these things that are happening that are preventing 
research from furthering. And when one of the women in our group asked, what does the lab need to continue right now? What is one of the biggest hurdles? And he said funding. And she said, well, how much does a lab need to sort of relieve some of its stress so it can continue doing what it, what it's doing? He said $200,000. And that might sound like a lot of money. It is a lot of money. But in the greater scheme of things, I, I thought it was going to be millions. And I was like, that's it? I mean, I feel like, doesn't Tony Robbins have that, like, in his backseat somewhere? Isn't there a rich person out there anywhere who can afford that? So I did a fundraiser, like, just very casually. I'm, I'm just slopping on lip gloss. Sorry, ADD moment. I did, like, a casual fundraiser on my Instagram page. I think we raised, like, 800 bucks or something like that for Alzheimer's Association. So I am asking my sharp tongue fans... I love all your gifts. I love everything you've sent me. If you're going to spend money, this cause is so close to my heart. Please donate to the Alzheimer's Association. Please send money, whatever you can afford, and that will be your gift to me. If you feel like screen grabbing that, that would be great. I would really like to start to build a community within my own community to start to raise more awareness because I feel like 200 grand is not that much. And if the lab needs it in order to further their, their education and further their research, which is really the first step into getting people into clinical trial trials, into getting them these prescribed drugs and, you know, the process along that, the thing that stops it is are, are the finances, which isn't anything that's shocking, but, learning how the money is divvied up is a little frustrating. That's where it gets annoying between the state and the school and the school. And it's, you know, the, the, the Dean, uh, I mean the people, the amount of people who get paid before this lab even sees the money is it's, it's a long fricking list. And also the professor told me that he's got to pay for his own cleaning lady to come in. I, I was like, what? The school doesn't provide a cleaning person. And he said, yeah, but all they do is empty the trash. They don't actually disinfect and do what we need to have our research maintain efficacy and, and not be compromised by, you know, contaminated specimens. So we need to have an actual cleaning lady come in. And I, that blew my mind. And he also told me some other financial secrets. I got the dirt. I also learned my ability to get people to open up to me and I'm not even doing it from a manipulative standpoint. I'm genuinely curious. And I think genuine curiosity is very powerful. I think there's a teacher, a little bit of a teacher in all of us. At the very minimum, we want to teach people about ourselves. We want to connect with other people and we want to share who we are. So we're teaching people about ourselves. So all of us are pretty much some form of a teacher. And, you know, take it a, a step further, people get into a career where they are a professor or an actual teacher, uh, instructor, and, and that is a, a, a way of teaching. And so I think we all have this, this genuine desire to teach. So when someone like me who is coming at you with some curiosity, well, that taps right into that innate desire. So he just opened up to me and he told me stuff I cannot repeat on this podcast. <laughs> But it is frustrating. Some of it may be conjecture just because I need to have the other side. But it wouldn't surprise me if what he told me was accurate and true about the way the money is divvied up and how it is allocated through the school to the lab. And by the time the lab sees it, 
it's, it's, you know, peanuts at that point. So I really want to ask you guys, please help, help us raise awareness, spread the word. If you have anybody who's dealt with a disease, reach out to me. I'm also going to be starting to collaborate with Alzheimer's Association. I'm very excited. We are going to revamp my alts tips. Anybody who followed along the journey with my father and I, my father being sick, I would post these alts tips. And some of them are very revealing. Some of them are funny. Some of them are educational. Basically, I just wanted to express what I was going through and how I was dealing with it with my father. And that information is invaluable for anyone dealing with a loved one with a neurodegenerative disease like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, Lou Gehrig's disease, any disease where the brain is dying and there's no cure. There are some common milestones, if you would call them that, that occur within the process of losing that loved one. And, and I just wanted to share what I was doing to combat, to cope, or to process what I was experiencing. So that's what Alts Tips was. So Alzheimer's Association and I are going to be meeting and talking about how we can expand the Alts Tips and how we can deliver it to you guys and make it enjoyable, shareable content to really help people feel less alone during this horrible, horrible disease and having to deal with that experience. And it really, just saying this out loud, fills my heart and I can't wait to embark on that. So I'm excited to share that with you guys. Uh, So yeah, Alzheimer's Association, shout out to you guys. Thank you so much for welcoming me into, into your community. And even though it took losing someone I love so much, I am so grateful that on the other side of that, I have this whole community now. So let's talk about what pissed me off this week. (laughs) Well, this didn't so much piss me off externally as much as it did internally. So I'm have, I've hired someone to paint my garage and I also hired someone to paint a wall in my room. Now it just sounds easy enough to do just to paint a wall. I have never done that. I am not the biggest knowing how to do things in the house. I, I, that's, that's just not a skill that I have. I'm not, I'm not like <laughs> the, 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 the best when it comes to home repair and doing things like that. I can, I can, I just learned how to do a drywall, how to drill a nail into a drywall. You know, the anchor thing really stressed me out before because it sounded much more involved than what it actually is. And now I have way too many holes in the wall because I went drill happy once I learned how to put an anchor in. And that's how I am. When I learn it, I, I I'm become obsessed with it. So I've, I've never painted a wall in my life. And I'm not going to start now. I've made it to 40. I consider that an achievement. So I, I'm going to hire someone. And by the way, I feel like this is the new... This is what came out of us being in a busy society is we're so busy doing stuff. We don't have time to do normal stuff like paint walls, which we should. I probably would really enjoy it. But because I have so much on my plate, I don't have time to paint walls. Hence why I'm hiring someone to paint my my studio wall and why I'm hiring someone to paint my bedroom wall. I really feel like it would be something that would probably be good to know how to do. But I will tell you that I thought about there being a person in my house while I'm working, painting in my bedroom, and I'm going to be sexist. I chose a woman. Yeah, you better believe I chose a woman and not like a, someone who decided they wanted to become a woman. I mean, an actual born female woman. 
And she came in in a cute little painter's outfit, ready to go. She's like, my dad's a painter. My mom's a painter. I'm going to blast out this wall. And I was like, cool. And you know what I did? Because the whole purpose of it was to help me be able to balance the work that I need to do. But then I thought, man, I'm over here talking about how it's important to find some dopamine. And I'm telling all my fans and my listeners, they should do this and they should do that. I should walk the walk. If I'm going to talk the talk, I need to walk the walk. I could do some more work. And I enjoy my work. It's that mindset of how you look at what you have to do versus what you get to do is an important practice. And sometimes I fall off the, the practice horse, if you will, in how I speak to myself and how I speak about what I'm doing, what I have to do and what I get to do. I need, I have some work I need to do there because I think it's really important mentally to say, I get to work on my book and I get to podcast and I get to do these various things instead of I have to, it changes your mindset. So I thought, well, if I'm going to tell all my listeners that they should be doing all these things and I need to do them as well. So while the girl was painting the wall in my bedroom, I decided to work on my own painting and I probably should bring it in. I'm going to bring it in. Why not? It's almost done. It's dry. So it won't, I, I won't make a mess. So let me just grab it. Okay, I got my painting. I don't know if you could hear me. Something fell. It wouldn't be me if something didn't fall. Oh, Jesus. So I decided to do something that calmed my mind, something that releases serotonin, something that makes us feel that dopamine hit and a good dopamine hit. And painting is something that's really good for your brain. Here I go with explaining things. I got to stop explaining things. I like to teach too. I got to move my little plant. So while she was painting my wall, I was working on a piece that I've been working on for a while. I, now, this is a rendition. I probably should look up the artist. Hold on, because I need to give credit to this artist. This is a rendition of um, an artist portrayal. Let's see. Artist Dylan. It's a Dylan portrait. I'm a fan of Dylan. Um, let's see. So I, I, I can't really, I can paint. It's a, it's a skill that I've had, but I don't do it enough to develop it. And I really should, because I think I'm good at it. And the only thing is that I need to be looking at something in order to get it done. Now, this isn't quite done. There's still layers of paint that I need to do. And I'm not revealing this like I'm fucking Banksy by any stretch. But this is a Milton Glaser inspiration and there you go see it's not that bad his hair has to be fixed a little and his nose isn't great but you get the idea look how cute and if you've watched me like when I used to do my weeds day lives I would get high in paint and this this was all done uh, this is my sober painting right here so I did this while she painted my bedroom and I gotta say I'm really proud of myself so I say all that to say I'm walking the walk, guys. So you can walk it too. And shout out to Milton Glazer. I'll send you guys the link of his poster so you can see it as well. What's coming up? We're still going to be talking about the things that are bothering me. I guess this is kind of bothering me too. Mother's Day is around the corner and mine is dead. That's what's bothering me. 
everyone with their moms. Oh, I love my mom. My mom, she's so happy and healthy. She's 102. That's the one thing that bothers you after your mom dies is seeing everyone else's really old and really healthy mom. And you're like, what What happened to Nance? How come Nance couldn't hold on for another 15, 20 years? This is some bullshit. But Mother's Day's around the corner, so I hope everybody enjoys it. And maybe if you want to do something in honor of my dead mother, you can make her macaroni salad and think of us while you take a bite of all that macaroni and mayonnaise. Oh, speaking of, someone sent me a really funny video. We'll have to do it. Did I put it in here? I think I did put it in the notes. Yes. It is something about, is it something about the, the, the mayonnaise? <laughs> There's something here. Yes. We'll get to that at the end of the podcast. I have all these notes here. So Mother's Day is definitely a, a sensitive holiday. So in order to deal with it, I decided, well, I'm just going to, I guess I'm going to send all the mothers I love something in honor of my mom because my mom's not around. So I have to send to other people's moms. Well, not their moms, but people who have become moms. Like my sister now is a mom. Uh, and I have a couple friends who have children now. So I've decided that I'm going to send and I've gotten some gifts for my friends who are mothers. And I went to send my sister flowers and she's getting flowers on Saturday. So if she's, oh, is she listening to this? No, she hasn't heard this yet. So she got flowers on Saturday. And Coleman Florist is a florist in Syracuse that we use. It's a local flor- floral shop. And I went to get her flowers You're not that good of a mom. What happened? I have to reapply. How? How are flowers $140? COVID? COVID's done. We, the government officially ended the the emergency the state of emergency has compl- has been lifted okay we can't blame covid anymore how long i just imagine like 40 years from now we go get a gas get some gas in our car and it's 10 dollars a gallon which it probably be more because of inflation but just for argument's sake it's an astronomical number and they're like covid it's co- how covid's been gone COVID left the building 40 years ago. How long are we going to use this as an excuse? $140? If this bitch doesn't hang on to those flowers and dry them and keep them hung upside down for the rest of her life, I got to remind her to tell her not to throw those flowers out. I'm going to be pissed. I want to come home and I'm going to bring them back here. Mother's Day. Those those are her Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, Christmas, and funeral flowers. (laughs) That made me laugh. Oh, God. What else bothered me? You know what bothered me today? A couple things. (laughs) Well, I had to go get a new primary care physician. Well, she's not a new one. She's just a repeat one. And something I realized in L.A., and I don't know if it's like this everywhere else. I know it's kind of like this in New York because I lived in New York. But in L.A., for the most part, there's, you know, office buildings. So doctors' offices are in office buildings with other businesses, and there are parking garages. Call me crazy, but if I'm going to see a doctor, I don't feel like I should have to pay for parking. It feels like a scam. Ten dollars to park. What if I got what? What if I got cancer? 
You're going to make me pay the $10? That's not fair. I know life isn't fair, but it really pissed me off. Why do I have to pay to go see my doctor? It doesn't seem right. I feel like that the, the doctor, and the, I asked the doctor, I'm like, do you guys validate parking? No, okay, all right. So who owns the parking lot? This, this is where my mind is at. Who owns a parking lot? Because as a doctor, I'd own the freaking parking lot. Are you kidding me? I'm going to get that copay. I'm going to get that insurance situation. I'm going to get that parking money. I'm going to get all of it. And I need to find out, and I didn't ask, I need to know who owns this parking garage because it feels like a scam. It feels scammy to me. It feels real freaking scammy. You know what other scam is going on? This is a total opposite situation. But Tully, my co-host of my other podcast, The Deuce, he's trying to scam me. He doesn't know I'm outing him on the podcast. I'm going to out him on the podcast right now. Now, normally, because we have a Patreon podcast and we have Patreons who subscribe, so, you know, he he sends me my cut of whatever Patreon is. And last month, he asked me to pay him. So I need to ask him if he also owns a parking lot. Is that, what do you mean me pay you, Tully? You're a scam artist. I told him he was a scam artist. I said, you're scamming me. I'm going to tell the authorities. I will let the authorities know what's going on. I'm also going to call Child Protective Services. CPS is going to be on your fucking doorstep, buddy. You better believe it. Hide your kids, hide your wife, because I'm sending everybody over for your scamming ass. I, after I peeled out of that parking lot because I was pissed, you're welcome for that alliteration. I'm looking at Bob Dylan right now. His nose is a little janky. After I peeled out of that parking lot, I came up to a red light, and there's this type of creature that is in L.A., also don't know if it's in other places tell me if you're listening from another town or area if if these things ring true to you there's this type of creature that when you come to a a a light or a stop sign and if the light turns green or if you're ready to go through the stop sign not through the stop sign but you come to a stop and you're ready to continue on there's this type of creature that goes into the crosswalk and it's this cocky crosswalk energy and they just take their freaking time. Like, I don't have anywhere to go at 1 p.m. on a Friday. Just take your freaking time. Why would you slow down? You got two feet. Stroll across the street. The world is your oyster. Please, everybody bow down to you. Pick up the pace. I will tell you, I might be an anxious person. I might be a hyper person. I am a considerate person. Nancy raised us to be considerate. And when I'm in a crosswalk, I speed it up if a car's coming. I'm not going to take my sweet time. I'm sure as hell not going to be on my phone texting, looking down, going through a crosswalk. I'm sorry. That's Darwinism. If you step out into a crosswalk and you're on your phone and you're not paying attention, you get hit by a car, that's the new Darwin. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me that's not new Darwinism. If you step out into the crosswalk and you're too concerned with your phone and your Instagram and everything that's on your device, then to look up and see if a car is headed your way, that's Darwinism. You're gonna get taken out. Maybe for, for better as well. And if you don't pick up the pace going through a crosswalk when cars are coming or if a car's waiting there, you're an arsehole. You're an arsehole. You're an absolute arsehole. I said it and I mean it. Cocky and lethargic crosswalkers are a new kind of horrible just a new kind of horrible i can't stand that crosswork 
crosswalk energy. It infuriates me. It even infuriates me more. You ever see the people that go real slow across a crosswalk and then they shoot you a cocky crosswalk face? I'm in the car. I'm the one who could do damage. Don't, don't throw your energy my way, ma'am. I haven't eaten in an hour. You're playing with fire. Hungry, Jessie Mae? You don't want to mess with her. She'll blast through a stop sign if she senses some of that cocky crosswalk energy. Better believe it. Better believe it. So hide your kids, hide your wives, and tell your friends to speed it up across the street, please, because we got places to go and people to see. And I realized another thing that bothers me is Delta's holding, Delta's loading music, not even the holding music. Delta's holding music is another thing, but the loading music, when you're getting on the plane, I've tried to capture <laughs> try to capture it a few times just to, sh to play for you and i found a couple of my recordings here i was like wondering if i play them if I, i'm gonna get pinged on youtube but it's too good not to play so well not good as in it's good music it's also infuriating it's this one song i was listening to and this is when you're sitting on the plane and everyone's boarding it's their boarding music uh this one song i swear it was like christian rock and i was like isn't this problematic we have a lot of different religions on this plane, spanning different cultures. Why did we settle on Christian rock, Delta? You know, because then you might want to play some Hindu music and toss in a couple Jewish classics. We got to keep it equal opportunity on this flight. Here's one of the songs. Let's see if we can play it. I don't know if you heard that woman just clear her throat, but she couldn't have done it at a worse time because it sounds like the song is all about God and it sounds like she's pissed. Did you hear? One more time. I mean, hear all the gods. I mean, while you're getting on the plane, tell me that's not the most depressing music. So she mentions God and freedom. I'm already triggered. You know, not that I'm not patriotic, but I'm, uh, I'm just trying to get to Key West. Maybe that's the music you should be playing when you're headed to Florida. I don't know. Maybe it's, the music changes depending on where you're heading to, which would make more sense. You know, play a little Pitbull if I'm heading down to Miami. Play Kid Rock if I'm headed anywhere in the South or a red state uh play let's see frank sinatra when i'm heading to vegas maybe that's the way delta should do it that would make more sense i don't know if we should maybe we should stay away from god though before we get on a plane i feel like a lot of it is just it's it's too in in in, in incestuous there's another song here let's see what this one is what? this is like it's like budget Kenny G waiting room music. And it's very loud on this plane. So obviously we can't really hear that one. There's another one. Hold on. This one's really freaking annoying. Is this it? They couldn't get a real, like, real music? How much does it cost Delta to use real music? Because this feels all copyright safe. <laughs> all this music feels safe and at the same time completely unsafe. It feels very cultish. 
just so bad. It's it sounds like music that's in like a Cymbalta commercial or music that's in a commercial for people who have like irritable bowel syndrome. It just doesn't make me feel good. Here's another song. Let's see. This one might be the really annoying one. This okay, I think I might be in the bathroom. <laughs> on the plane this song was so annoying to me because it kept going and this guy it sounded like he was chasing the key i can't sing but it sounded like neither could this guy and it sounded like he wasn't singing as much as he was yelling after the key he was trying to sing in listen to him I know someone's slapping their bags above. Just such annoying music. I think there's one more. Hold on. What's this? Oh, this is from that annoying walk. This is from when the people had that loud music on that hike. Passing by with a huge... I guess the point is, is I'm 40. <laughs> I guess the point is... I'm 40 and things are starting to bother me. And oh, well, oh, well, did Sequoia tell you about my rebirth party? Yeah, things are starting to annoy me. Okay, that's just the reality of everything. And speaking of things annoying me, I love when my fans and listeners send me DMs, emails or anything that's pertaining to what we talked about on the podcast and is a, a fun callback that we can do. So I don't know if you guys remember when I was bitching about nurses and doctors doing TikToks. We don't need it. We talked about it a few episodes ago. I don't need to get back into it. You guys know how I feel about it. I need doctors studying. I need you studying so hard that your eyes fall out of the, out of the orbital sockets and, and roll onto your, onto your desk. Not even a, a coffee table because I need you to be sitting at a desk doing work. I need my doctors to be doctoring. Why are you twerking? Nurses don't need to twerk. I'm sorry, sis. You don't need to twerk at work. It doesn't work when you twerk at work. People die. And I don't care if you're like, oh, you don't know we got downtime. Do some research. Further your research. I don't want to come in knowing more information than you because I've Googled. Further your education. If you have a break, take a nap. We don't need you on fucking TikTok. Maybe this is controversial. Maybe there's some nurses listening that do TikTok and they're good. They got something to say. Email me. Jesse May Peluso comedy at Gmail. Tell me why I'm wrong. Because I don't think I'm wrong. I can't be the only one that's annoyed every time. And this is one of the reasons why I don't scroll a lot on Instagram or TikTok. It's not my vibe. First of all, I like to live in, in real, the real world, not in this simulation, this, this social media simulation that everyone's got their face in when they're going across a crosswalk, but I'm the asshole if I hit them. Anyways. I would never hit a person just proving a point that people are making themselves susceptible to depression and to vehicular homicide. <laughs> I just don't understand why doctors and nurses and people who should be doing their work, why they're on TikTok. If you have downtime, take a nap, rest your brain. You need a break too. And so uh, one of my fans sent me this and it's, further just very annoying it's it's further frustrating it's uh a nurse who's clearly dancing and it's obviously you know a joke video but i don't know where she is i don't know what the desk is it looks like one of those pop-up 
COVID stations. Maybe she's leaving work. Maybe she wasn't even on the clock. But it was the point I was trying to make is nurses can't be dancing while the patients are inside dying. Okay? Enough. Enough. Get back to the station. Nurse Ratchet, get back to the nurse's station and do some Googling. Please, and thank you so much. Thank you to whoever sent me that. I, I don't know who sent it, so I, I appreciate you fighting the good fight and finding that hilarious clip. <laughs> um, what else do we have here? Oh, some people sent me some stuff. I don't know if you guys remember me talking about Elliot writing the F word down on a piece of paper. Elliot being my nephew, he wrote the F word down on a piece of paper and passed it to one of his schoolmates and told the schoolmate to say the swear word and Elliot got in trouble. And I just was debating how much of an issue this was, who's responsible for it, and who, whose responsibility is it. And a couple people came back and told me some things. Well, this woman, I think she, we might have talked about her before. Um, she, po- she sent me an email. Her emails, I, I don't know what the heck this email is. It's a very interesting email. Almost looks like a spam. Am I being scammed again? She says, hey, Jesse, I thought I'd write to you. As your rant on the subject sparked a few thoughts in my mind, I've worked in my previous life when I was a bit younger as teacher's assistant at the elementary school for both normal students and students with disabilities. I'm from the northern EU, so what I'm going to be writing is coming from a person that has lived a different culture, so I'm not that well versed to the specifics of child education in the USA. Let me make sure I have all of this because this is really interesting to me. Um, Do we have all of this? Uh, swear words in boys. Um, oh, here we go. Heard you. Have you ever heard of the red dot test used in the field of psychology and child development? One of my friends has a child. So one time when the child was young, I visited them and we tried to t- the test on the child. The child wasn't necessarily on the right developmental stage. But anyhow, when you applied a dot of red food, strawberry jam, on the forehead of a child and placed a child in front of a mirror, the most interesting thing happened the child looked in the mirror this was before the child could speak and tried to make sense of who he was seeing in the mirror okay this is really freaking interesting so all you have to do is put a red dot on your kid's forehead and they might start to not be a complete asshole is that what i'm understanding okay let's finish this hold on the child tried to make sense of who he was seeing in the mirror after a while the red dot was still in his forehead when he tried to wipe the red jam from his forehead with his own hand as this as if the child resisted it a lot wait what i'm sure i read that wrong after a while the red dot was still on his forehead and when trying to wipe the red jam from his forehead with his own hand it's as if the child resisted it a lot unable to understand that he in fact was seeing himself in the mirror and not some other living thing or a table leg or a part of a bookshelf it was almost like he was trying it was almost like trying to push magnets together with like poles facing each other and having them repel disclaimer this child was obviously not hurt during this activity and both of the parents are university educated adults capable of raising a child yet interested in developmental psychology thus this experiment on children oh my god you're telling me that they killed the kid and ate him that's funny i must i myself have a condition which is called infant aphantasia oh i've heard of this which means that i don't see mental images at all what that's interesting how do you not see mental images unless i eat psychedelics 
most 95% of people do see mental images. So if you close your eyes and imagine this above scene, you could take two paths. This is very interesting. Thank you for writing all this out, by the way. The uh, path one, the child never developing a sense of self-consciousness that early in life before he, she is able to even form human language sentences, meaning how you conduct yourself in life depends on what kind of sensory data combination your brain conceives as your standard reality, maybe uh, like you are more in your body or in your mind, meaning you might develop to act in the world in a way that is not totally rooted in reality as you can't even understand properly what you're seeing in the mirror. We do take only a small amount of sensory data into consideration during normal life and filter it out. That's why there's such a concept of the perceptual cycle, which is related to the default mode network loopiness that psychedelics inhibit, allowing you to make connections that you would not have been able to otherwise get, which is so interesting how uh, psychedelics open up those pathways. This last part of this section needs to be taken with a large salt shaker full of salt. So, (coughs) excuse me, the second part here about this experiment, the child understands that their senses agree that the person in front of them are themselves, not another person, thus changing how the person understands reality. The key point in the red dot test is that he's able to connect that he, in fact, is wiping the red stuff off of himself. Seeing that in the mirror, connecting it to the fact now that he, she looks at their hands, understanding the connection, thus showing self-awareness, thus being able to put themselves into the cycle of perception which is one interesting concept in cognitive psychology. If you're interested, I have a search with words uh, like Ulrich Neisser, perceptual cycle, or perceptual cycle uh, in general. What? Okay, so this is somebody I should be Googling. Point is not to understand it all immediately, but to understand that you have to be able to put yourself in the loop via self-awareness to be able to act and importantly, change the way you act in the world by understanding that your actions and behaviors change the environment in various ways and various dimensions, physical, societal, group dynamics, social rules, et cetera, et cetera, spiritual. Yes, this might sound fucking obvious. But what's the big deal? The big deal is that to be able to start the process as early on in life and be able to do it with wisdom and style and not reading 100 self-help books and having a total burnout. That's true. The obvious drawback is the fact that when you reach self-consciousness, or maybe a varying degree of it, you have to start making choices on behalf of yourself. This can be taxing, as you said. There's so many options out there, and without wisdom passed down, it's difficult to make wise decisions without having any map of reality to navigate to. When you said that Elliot might need some more challenges rather than discipline, you have to first understand what the teacher is going through. I read that in the United States, its teacher ain't necessarily the best paid people in the workforce. You're not wrong teachers are paid pennies and yeah they have the whole summer off but they also have your kids for eight nine hours a day so um that that combined with the fact that you're stressing that you have several kids lives at your hand at least partly puts a strain on you as in modern classroom the ratio of kids to teachers is not properly set so the teacher is alone in a large classroom which is true i think teachers usually have like 30 kids in the classroom I, i I have Elliot and Karina coming to stay with me, and that causes me anxiety. I can't imagine having a classroom with 30 kids. Um, yeah, so you're right. You go on. I can't read this entire email, uh, but I really appreciate the length and the, how much you put into it, and I look forward to um, digging into this. I actually might put this somehow in the body of the podcast so you guys can read it. It sounds like you really know what you're talking about. And that red dot test is very, very interesting to think about self-awareness and a a kid is learning so much and a smart precocious kid like Elliot 
not knowing his effect on the world and not knowing how he interacts with the world yet and testing his boundaries and writing the F word on a piece of paper is such a small, it's, it's such a small occurrence in the wider picture of, of existence for him. So I appreciate this. Thank you so much. You didn't leave your name, but I really appreciate this email. I'm just gonna leave, so your last paragraph, I'm going to say, um, I wish you had better days. I get it. We all have some really shitty days and I hope you get some value from this very chaotic all over the place email. You have a really interesting, cool personality. So thanks for putting yourself out there as people like you are very rare in any type of society. That's so sweet. Your podcasts have been instrumental when washing the dishes or cleaning the house too boring without music or a good podcast. So even though the post is kind of harsh at times, I hope the important stuff comes across. I hope you and your loved ones are able to live a life in a pleasant way without having to hit one's, one's head against the wall to get forward in life. Thank you so much. I appreciate this. Uh, this is very insightful. And check out the red dot test if anybody out there has kids and they're interested to learn a little bit about developmental psychology. That's very informative. And thank you so much for sharing that. What else do we have this week, guys? Oh, so remember earlier, I was like, big news not big news, kind of a humble brag. So do you guys remember that post I put up about my mom's macaroni salad? <laughs> my end. I'm, I've already reached the end of the podcast. <laughs> oh my God. That's so funny. My end music came up. I didn't realize we've been talking for so long. So I posted a video about my mom's macaroni salad and it kind of went viral. No big deal. And a few people commented on it. Oh, look who commented on it. Yes, Stamos might be coming on the podcast, but Hellman's Mayonnaise commented on my video. I'm sorry, am I the Queen of England? Excuse me. Kim Kardashian who? Jesse May Peluso. Yes, Hellman Mayonnaise took notice. Who's noticing your posts? Not Hellman's Mayonnaise, I'll tell you that much. I don't see Miracle Whip. Who? We don't know who she is. Hellman Mayonnaise. Hellman's. <laughs> Not, not one Hellman, two Hellmans. Where is Mr. Hellman? We have to find out where Mr. Hellman's is and thank him. But thank you, Hellman's Mayonnaise, for making this girl feel special. I, I, Nancy would be so proud that you are, are saying hello to her daughter, an ingredient that was in my childhood. You guys were in everything I ate. Do you realize that? Hellman's Mayonnaise was in my mouth so much as a child. That came out wrong, and I didn't even mean it like that. I meant it completely innocently. But you guys were always on our plates. You guys were on our food. You were on our hot dogs. We were those types of people. I used to put you on my hamburger. I'd slap you on a sandwich. I'd put you in the macaroni salad. There were so many other places that Hellman's Mayonnaise was in my youth. So thank you for being a consistent relationship. Thank you for being a consistent mayonnaise figure in my life, and I appreciate you. <laughs> I I'm like fangirling. I'm like, yeah, Stamos is on the podcast, but Hellman's Mayonnaise stopped by and said, hello, you're welcome. Um, a couple other things happened here. When I was at the airport with Kalia, we were on our way. Where did we just come from? Edmonton. This blur passes by me. Just just a blur that goes rushing by me and, and, and kind of low. And I was like, what was that? Was that like a, a dog running by me? But it also had this like whirring noise. And then I look over and it's this woman on her scooter this woman just on her scooter and the thing was powered and and, and and i don't know if it's like a if it was some sort of medical scooter or maybe she had a broken leg i just thought it was kind of baller that this chick just 
came to the airport on a motorized vehicle (laughs) and was chilling. Like this bitch came through on a super 73 and acted like it was normal. She rolled up to gate 26, literally rolled up. Like they see me, they see me rolling. They hating. this chick rolled up on a scooter, a, a powered scooter to gate 26. And everyone was just fine. What is happening in the world? It's a great idea, but also kind of obscene. And I was jealous, to be honest. I was jealous, to be honest. This woman just rolling up on a scooter. And all of this happened in the same day. This was May 4th, which was Kalia and I's friendship anniversary. And I'm walking through the airport and I see uh, um, one of those white guys from Star Wars. There's basically, I think it's, it's either, see, I'm so bad. Is it the, the fighter guys with the white <laughs> stormtrooper? It was a stormtrooper and I think Luke Skywalker walking through the airport. And in my paranoid mind, I'm like, oh my God, these guys are going to do something at the airport. They're going to shoot up the airport. This can't be good. No offense to the Star Wars community. I'm sure none of you are even like that. But this, is, this was my thought. I'm like, why are these people dressed up? This makes me nervous. Me having this anxiety reaction to these gentlemen that are walking around in a stormtrooper outfit and Luke Skywalker. And I come to, to, to Kalia and I'm like, Kalia, did you see the, the stormtrooper? What do you think they're doing? Why do you think they're dressed up? What's happening? And she's like, it's, it's May 4th. And I was like, oh, may the 4th be with you. I got it. I got it. This is how sometimes we're way too out of touch and out of tune with what's going on in the world. We got to open our eyes. We got to stay curious. We got to stay in the moment. We got to stay present. I think one way we can really stay present is to stay curious, guys. That's going to be my homework for you. Find something to be curious about. When you find yourself wanting to be furious, that's when you should kick in your curiosity to combat being ferocious. And this is coming from a woman who, when she's not fed or rested, she's ferocious. So I know a ferocious feeling. I get it. I can commiserate with it. I relate to it. But when you feel that furiousness, the fast and the furiousness boiling up inside of you. Try to be curious. Find a way to be curious. And if anything from this episode stuck with you guys and, and you have something you want me to share or have a comment about it, email me, jessiemaypelusocomedy at gmail.com. And I hope you guys have a kick-ass week. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.